0: Well, thanks very much for joining us. This is Jonathan Armstrong from Caudry over in the UK with this week's Tech Law 10 podcast. We're very pleased that you could join us. And with me is Eric Sinrod in the uh, west coast of the US. And Eric, you've been thinking about the many layers of the internet. What's on your mind?
1: (laughs) Thank you, Jonathan. I've been trying to think. We've had an incredible heat wave and uh, it was just broiling at night, so as I was there in my summer swelter, I guess we're almost at the end of summer now, uh, I was thinking about the layers of the Internet. I was also thinking about you, Jonathan. Yesterday I saw Ron Howard's new movie about the Beatles, and uh, many of the accents that I was listening to reminded me of this wonderful colleague I have on this podcast, this Tech Law 10. But be that as may, yes, in my, uh, in my heat stroke reverie, I- once again, we thinking about the Internet. You'd think i have had better things to think about. But let's talk about that um, and sort of three broad categories of the Internet, and then I'll be interested in your thoughts about this, Jonathan. First, let's start with what we call the surface web. Um, the surface web consists of kind of what we do normally on the Internet when you access your email, when you're tweeting on Twitter like Donald Trump likes to do, when you're conducting your Google searches for all sorts of uh, interesting and historical facts, when you're listening to your music on Pandora or Spotify, when you're going to YouTube videos to see Jonathan Armstrong pontificate on some incredible topic, when you buy and sell your things on eBay, when you shop on Amazon, as I like to do, what are you doing, Jonathan? You are utilizing the surface web. This part of the Internet is probably the most familiar to all of us. So we could think that it comprises the vast majority of the Internet. But that actually, apparently, is not true. Uh, According to a blog that I read by a gentleman by the name of Vinay Kumar, the surface web that we've been discussing comprises only 4% of the Internet. 4%. Um, Now, I don't know if that number is perfectly precise, but it makes the point that there's much more out there. So now let's go down a little bit more, Jonathan, to what we call the deep web. Uh, This is the part of the Internet that is not indexed and cannot be searched by Google, which is, of course, the world's uh, biggest beast of a search engine or other search engines. And as stated by Kumar, practically 96% of the Internet is made up of the deep web. Again, we don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a correct number, but he seems to suggest it's the vast majority. So what do we find in the deep web? Um, well, now it is very common for individuals and companies to save information in the cloud. And this information can include text data, audio files, photos, videos, and things like that. And, and then unless purposely made available, as I said, this information is not locatable through search engines. And that's probably a good thing because it's probably a good thing the deep web is not generally searchable, given that so much of our content that we put out there on the cloud, we're intending it to be private. We're not putting it there for the whole world to see. So that's the next layer. That's the second layer. Now we go to the third layer, Jonathan. Don't worry, I'm almost done. Uh, So I know you're Mm -hmm. chanting it a bit. You, You always have nuggets, pearls of wisdom to tell us. The next layer is the dark web. And this is a place on the internet where you really should not want to go. In the dark web, there can be all kinds of nefarious activities. There can be the trafficking of guns, ammunition, illegal drugs, slaves, and other um, less than savory uh, items. Uh, Criminal activity of various types takes place in the dark web and Usual usual search engines do not lead to the dark web. Obviously, there are ways of getting there. Um, if I even knew, I wouldn't tell people. Frankly, I have not looked into that. I don't want to know. Um, I do teach Internet law classes, and one of my students a year ago told me, and he wrote his paper on the, on the dark web, and he was quite facile at getting there. He wasn't actually buying and selling anything in the dark web, but he explained to me that it, 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 it can be accessed. So the bottom line is, you know, we want people to be safe and smart out there. Um, we know that people are, you know, interacting constantly on the surface web. As I, we described, people are storing information in the deep web, and hopefully our listeners are not going to the dark web. That all being said, I turn it over to the wonderful Jonathan Armstrong.
0: Thanks very much, Eric. Very fascinating. Um, I've got an analogy and then maybe a a story that might illustrate my thoughts on this. So I think in some respects it, it occurred to me whilst you were saying it that it's a little bit like the Titanic and the iceberg, isn't it? We often worry about the bit that's above water, but it's the bit that's below water that can cause you the most challenges, as uh, another great Liverpoolian, the captain of the Titanic, uh, found out. By the way, I'm from Hartlepool, not Liverpool, so I won't try a a Ringo Starr accent. Um, But anyhow, (laughs) there we go. (laughs) Um, But but I had the uh, funny experience of speaking at the Future of Cybersecurity conference in London last week, and this is perhaps a good illustration of how you know, if you like, the bottom parts of the web can come back to haunt you. They And I won't um, go into all of the details because it would take too long anyway. But I was speaking at this conference, and one of the speakers just after me was scheduled to be a hacker who uh, apparently, according to uh, him or her, uh, is the hacker who exposed... Hillary Clinton's private emails and started all of that uh, episode that we've talked about many times uh, on this uh, podcast before. And uh, this person was apparently scheduled to speak at the conference, but for whatever reason, and one can speculate, didn't eventually speak at the conference, but instead sent a deck of slides and some uh, pre-prepared remarks which one of the conference organizers read out on this individual's behalf. And this uh, individual had some quite fascinating things to say in many respects, saying uh, that, for example, hackers aren't responsible for, uh, for exposing a lot of this private information from private cloud accounts, etc. Individuals and corporations are, because and, and he didn 't use this analogy, but the analogy seemed to be that it isn 't the burglar 's fault for stealing things it 's the fault of people who don 't lock their doors and, um, and And the point being illustrated in this talk by obviously this uh, hacker has received some criticism for uh, exposing political emails, and the uh, the denouement, if you like, of this remote presentation was to release, depending on who who you believe, about another 12,000 emails, again, uh, relevant to the uh, U.S. political uh, elections this time, for example, featuring uh, Colin Powell's views on various people in the presidential race. And, and so my point being is that organizations of all forms have to understand every bit of the web they can't just focus on the tip of the iceberg if you like the bit above the water because there are people out there if you don't take the right security measures who can make the dark web light if you like they can move the hidden web to the non-hidden web and it Mm -hmm. isn't really in our control anymore to decide which bits fits in where. Now, obviously, we've talked about cloud computing a lot before. And there are many advantages of of using cloud computing. But in many cases, I still see people using cloud applications where they've no clue where the data is. They've no clue the terms and conditions it's held under. They've no clue of the security measures there. And what the message from this hacker is, that people like that make his or her job considerably easier and that if even the most rudimentary security measures had been applied to uh, the data that's been exposed in the run up to the presidential race, then none of it would be in the public domain. So I think your point's well taken, Eric, that we need to invest time in understanding the true nature of the web. and and which bits are likely to cause us the most harm.
1: Yeah, really good point you make, because I wasn't trying to say necessarily that these layers remain distinct. As you say, there can be a bleeding from one deeper layer up into another and it can cause problems. And uh, I'm not going to recap what you said, because you said it so well. So uh, excellent point. And of course I do know you're from Hartley Hartlepool. We had a, Tech Law Ten podcast long ago, where I believe we had your your uh, Hartley Pool uh, was it your football fight song? Uh, yeah. <laughs> broadcast at the end of the podcast. But listen, Hartley Pool is a lot closer to Liverpool than San Francisco, California. So, but uh, I don't don't worry, I won't confuse you with Ringo. Um, okay, good. Well, this this has been your most recent uh, Tech Law Ten. Um, I'm Eric Sinrod, of course, at Dwayne Morris, based in San Francisco. Um, my email is ejcinrod at com. You can find us on all the usual surface web uh, social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. And you will not find us uh, on the other levels of the Internet, to our knowledge, hopefully. Um, and all that remains now is to turn it over to Jonathan for the conclusion. Jonathan?
0: Yeah, thanks very much, Eric. Um, having experienced the beautiful waters of uh, Cornwall when I was uh, bodyboarding at the weekend. I, you can you can rest assured that uh, I prefer to be above cold water rather than below it. But um, uh, I'm uh, jonathan.armstrong at We're always keen to hear your topics. I know there's a couple that we still haven't got round to, but we will. And all that remains is to say do engage with us on social media, do collect, connect with us again next time, Thanks for listening. Thank you. Cheers.